Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome into another episode of Brewcast here on Mason Brew, powered by Mason Brew at SB Nation, I should say. I'm Anthony Broom. With me as always is my co-host, Luke Giardi and Chris Castellani. You guys know who we are. We know who you are, so we'll hop right into it. But before we do, I ask, because I'm a gentleman, how are you doing today, guys? Still recovering. From the uh, tournament from the tournament or St. Paddy's Day? Or both? Both. And uh, while that's going on, also uh, waiting for Thursday. Yeah, Um, it's – oh, go ahead, Luke. Well, I was just going to say, man, I just got in from L.A., you know, left out uh, for L.A. last Wednesday. So my body has still not, you know – You picked the wrong weekend to go to L.A. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, yeah, you know, I did, but at the same time, I think I picked the right weekend because, uh, well, so I, I will, I'll tell the story a little later, but uh, it was it was nice to be able to not have to work while the games were going on. I did enjoy that, especially with uh, what what's that like? Oh man, was that nice? I gotta say, man, it was uh, it was a much needed vacation, but my body has not yet adjusted back to the Eastern Time Zone, and my body is still recovering from St. Patty's Day. So it has been a wild ride of a day. Well, dude, I, I got to tell you, too, like my body hasn't recovered from daylight savings time yet. So I can't even imagine like the three hour like jet lag or adjustment that needs to be made. So I, I feel you there. It was man it was it was tough. I, I did not realize I've not been to the West Coast ever. That was the first time I was ever to the West Coast. And whew, man, that time zone 
difference is no joke. Well, Chris, I imagine it got pretty wild in Mount Pleasant uh, this weekend, given not only St. Patty's Day, but how about uh, Central Michigan women's basketball? Yeah, you know, like it, it's taken me four years of college to realize, and if, I, I don't know if you need to be really pathetic if this hot take makes you upset, but St. Patty's Day is overrated. And it, it really because what what it is for ninety percent of people, it's just it's day drinking. And then by the time night comes around that they, they, they usually don't drink anymore. So like, but by 1231 o'clock, everyone's like, eh, whatever. But, uh, as far as the, the CMU women's basketball team. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's awesome. I mean, it's great. I mean, just the fact that they made it is, is cool enough considering the fact that the men's team hasn't done that in however many years. Um, and the fact that they've won two games, you know, uh, as an 11 seed, and of course, you know, one of them having uh, a, a slight Michigan crossover uh, connection with them beating uh, the, the three seed Ohio State. I mean, it's a it's a special run, and uh, and and good for those girls, I, and it's um it's it's cool for the community. Yeah, well, this is a you know just shout out to those guys, uh, girls, I should say. Um, you know, they work extremely hard, and had to give a little shout out there. All all three of us are CMU guys. Uh, but something else I want to throw out there at the beginning of the show, there is a Twitter account for this show now that we will be kind of operating from. Obviously, we're still with Maze and Brew and doing all that, but we want to kind of give our show its own little hub of, you know, our three voices and things that we see and talking to people that listen. So you can follow that account for Brewcast at Brewcast Show on Twitter. So keep an eye on that. Um, and right now we're team followback. So I know that's a lot of, you know, that that draws a lot of people in. So uh, we want to make that it's as much yours as it is ours. So I uh, want to make that clear as well. But uh, as far as your hot take goes about St. Patty's day, I mean, yeah, especially if you're in college in that town in Mount Pleasant, like everything you do on St. Patty's day is just like a day that ends in Y in Mount Pleasant, except everyone wears green and they wear beads. You know, it's, it's, it's yeah. kind of standard operating procedure. Up but there, I do so. have to say to the point of, of the day drink, I would rather day drink than night drink. Like, I don't know if it's because I'm a couple years removed from college, but I love day drinking like way more than I like staying out until 2 a.m. You know, I, but it's just, I don't know. It's not that special anymore. And, and not to mention, I don't own anything green. Um, so I have to, every year to scrounge something up from one of my roommates. It's just annoying. And the weather hasn't been that nice. Like back in 2012, I think my sophomore year of college was like uh, 85 degrees on St. Patty's day. And it was a Saturday. That was a game changer. That that'll raise the expectations. That's, that is St. Patty's just, day. that's, that's trouble is what that is. <laughs> that is just trouble waiting to happen. Um, but yeah, it was fun. Obviously uh, forget St. Patty's day. I mean, that was, let, let's talk about the NCAA tournament, obviously with Michigan. Um, We'll get to Michigan in a second, but, you know, really quickly, re- really quickly re- recapping what we saw. We It seems like we say this every year after the opening weekend of the tournament, but this was honestly the most wild opening weekend of the NCAA tournament that I can ever remember. Um, if not, if nothing else, just for the fact that we finally saw a 16 beat a one and not just really a six, you know, a 16 beating a one. It was a 16 beating the holy hell out of a one seed and, and over the the number one overall seed, which um, is is still amazing to me. And the fact that it was, you know, the retrievers, it was a dog school and everyone's tweeting out all these gifts and pictures of 
of golden retrievers. And I know the, the actual dog isn't a golden retriever, but you know, those are, you know, that's, that's the popular gift. So get over it. Uh, don't be, don't be a dog snob, but yeah, that's an awesome story. Um, you know, Michigan, Michigan side of the bracket. And I've said that on a few radio hits and, and things like this, but um, Michigan side of the bracket with how many, so many teams did not play well this weekend and either lost in the first round or lost in the second round. Mm-hmm. Michigan to me played two of the worst games that they've played all year long consecutively. Mm-hmm. And it took a little bit of magic, but they got two wins out of it. And when you look at their region on the left side of the bracket, they're the highest remaining seed. They're a three seed. You look at their region. I mean, number nine, Florida state's going to be playing number four, Gonzaga. Michigan's obviously a three playing the seventh seed, Texas A&M. You've got a nine seed in Kansas State up top playing the five seed Kentucky. And you've got Loyola Chicago, the 11th seed, and Sister Jean, who scares the ever-loving shit out of me. Uh, and, you know, playing the seventh seed in Nebraska. Uh, Nebraska. Nevada, my bad. That's, uh, <laughs> that's that's a terrible oversight on my part. Um, Nebraska did not make the tournament. Uh, but who knows? They may have made a run in this thing with how wide open it's been. But have we ever seen the first round of the NIT, though? So I'm going to throw that out there. No, that's true. Uh, I don't pay attention to the NIT because it's irrelevant. But uh, mm-hmm. hey, you know, shout out to Nebraska ball. But have you ever seen carnage like this? I mean, I don't think we ever have, but carnage like this in any level of any playoff of any sport. No, I mean, when you take a look at it, you know, UMBC, that was absolutely incredible. They looked like they could have beat any team in the tournament the way they, they played against Virginia. I mean, their guards were so good and Lyles was just an animal. What? I mean, I I don't, I didn't think we were ever going to see a 16 over one. I knew, you know, statistically it was going to have to happen at some point, but I really didn't know if we ever would because the, the level of competition, you know, between a 16 and a team that gets number one overall seed is usually the talent level is just so different. And we finally got to see it. And it, it's the three-point shot, man, the great equalizer. Uh, I mean, to answer Anthony's question first, uh, as far as this level of, of carnage, uh, I, li- I like that word there, uh, it, it's it's unlike anything we've seen before. I don't – I'm actually – I don't think this was the craziest uh, opening weekend uh, that I've seen. Uh, two years ago, I remember, was nuts – and I'm sure if I if I ran down the list of games that went on uh, two years ago, that I thought was like the best NCAA tournament ever. But um, it, as far as the 16 beating a one, I I had a feeling it was going to happen at some point in the next five to ten years. I felt like the gap, while still huge, uh, was was getting somewhat closer and we've seen a few games in the last couple of years where they might not have ended up being close in the final score, but uh, 16 seeds have uh, competed. I remember there was the year when Gonzaga was, was undefeated or close to undefeated and, and they were a one seed playing in uh, the first round and they were down uh, at half, I think to a 16 seed. So, uh, and we've seen multiple 15 seeds beat a two and you look at uh two years ago with middle tennessee state beating msu and that msu team was basically a one seed so so the the, the gap was not as large as i think some people uh made it out to to be with that said it's still one of the biggest upsets 
you know, in the history of, of sports. Uh, but there's the other big reason for this is the fact that uh, it, and I know this is a Michigan podcast. And so I don't think we have a huge audience in Virginia. And if we do, uh, we're maybe about to lose them, but that program is the biggest bunch of choke artists, sissy pants boys. I've ever, every year they do this every year. They make a living out of this. They get a high seed and then they gag. And it seems every single year it's worse than it was the year before. This is about the fourth or fifth year in a row that they have had a one or a two seed and they have and they have lost in an incredible fashion. Yeah, well that's that's, that's the thing about too. the thing about them is they play a style of basketball that lends itself to getting popped like that. You know, if they're they love to slow it down and play that kind of grind it out, it's almost like they're almost like the East Coast version of of Wisconsin uh, to a certain extent, though, I don't, you know, even worse uh, to, to a certain degree, at least Wisconsin, like was able to make a national title game and has been able to go on deep runs in the tournament. But, um, you know, what surprised me was, you know, it, it's one thing. And I kind of have felt this way about Michigan, where like they don't like you can win with your defense. Virginia can win with their defense if they're not making shots. The problem is, is that I think at some point, you know, the, the amount of shots that UMBC was hitting from the perimeter and the way these guys were getting to the basket, it was, it was unlike anything I'd ever seen. And that's a Virginia basketball in my mind is dead. Like you cannot play the style of basketball they play in today's game and win a national title. You can't, you're not going to. And oftentimes when you get into a format like this, um, where you throw the records out, you throw out matchups and things like that. Like their style of basketball is very upset friendly. Like when they get bounced, it's not really a surprise that they get bounced. So no, and not anymore. I, I, I can't every year I pick them to go deep and look, I don't have anything personally against uh, Virginia basketball. I don't, I don't give them enough thought. They have the Tony Bennett's, you know, he's a good regular season coach. He looks like French Stewart. That's kind of funny, but but <laughs> it's just amazing to me the amount of consistency in which this team in this program just gags in the NCAA tournament. And, you and know, I feel like – go ahead. No, go ahead, Chris. I, I thought you were done. Well, no, I just – I think that there's some programs out there that a lot of people get the impression – are programs that always make deep runs in the NCAA tournament that in reality have only made one or two. Like I think uh, Xavier is another example. When was the last time Xavier had like a deep run in the NCAA tournament? I feel like it's been several years, but everyone always says, oh, got to watch out for Xavier. Xavier's good this year. I'm picking Xavier to go to the final four. Xavier's like that. If not for the national championship two years ago, Villanova would be like that. Virginia is like that. Gonzaga. There's more programs. For sure. Yeah. Gonzaga had their chance last year to prove to me that they weren't one of those programs. And they played absolutely abysmal in two Final Four games. One of them they were lucky enough to win. The other one was one of the worst basketball games I've ever watched. So, yeah, no, they're another program like that. But, you know, Anthony, to your point, it's it's kind of funny, or I guess, I guess it'd be ironic that Virginia, they can't win in the tournament with their style of basketball. But on the flip side of that, you know, uh, outside the, the defense that is played, the scheme, Syracuse in their zone, they play very similar to Virginia, t- 
even though Syracuse is way worse on offense than Virginia is. And they've gone to the Sweet 16 in two of the last three years out of the first four. It, it's, and they went to, it just they went to the Final Four. Yeah. Uh, and guess who they beat? They were <laughs> Virginia in the Elite Eight. And they were down by like 15 with eight minutes left and gag. Well, let me say this, and we're about to go in a direction. I did not see this show going, but I'm going to take it there anyways because um, – do it. Jesus, take the wheel uh, here. But Syracuse is so overrated. But you know who is even more overrated than Jim Beheim and Syracuse is? Tom uh, Izzo. Guess, oh, I was going to say, does it rhyme with Brom Dizzo? Prom Crizzo. I was watching that game, and I could not figure out what he was doing. What is Miles Bridges doing on the perimeter – and not in the middle. What of is Jaron Jackson doing on the, on bench, the bench for half of the game? I mean, if you're um, a, if you're a five star recruit, why would you ever go play for Tom Izzo? Who has Tom Izzo ever made better? Who has he ever made a better look, player? I'm not I'm not even gonna go there just yet. I'm gonna build to that here. But Syracuse stinks. I mean, they have Tyus Battle. <laughs> that's 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 all fine and good. We we still wish he would have ended up at Michigan, but you know he had his big moment against the Spartans, anyways. But they did exactly what they had. Like they baited MSU into, into losing that game. Essentially the way that Syracuse beats you, they beat you with that ridiculous zone that still works after all these years. And they make you shoot jump shots. Let me tell you something right now. I went to that double header at little Caesars arena earlier this year when it was uh, Michigan and Detroit and then Oakland, uh, Oakland and MSU. MSU, that was the first time I've seen them like up close. That is one of the most physically gifted, physically impressive basketball teams I've ever seen at this level. And the way that those guys were soft all year, not just not just in the tournament, all year they were soft. And, you know, the refusal to go to the basket and the shots from the outside, um, Ben like Ben Carter and Matt McQuaid playing more minutes than you know, Nick Ward and, and Jared Jackson, Tom Izzo, it's, we're going on 20 years since he won a, uh, um, since he won a national title and people always say, I've seen, I've had some idiots and, I, and I'll call you idiots because I truly believe if you believe what's about to come out of my mouth, you are an idiot. People say, well, this wasn't a, an Izzo type team. You know, this wasn't one of the teams that, you know, this is an MSU basketball. Do you want to know what MSU basketball is? MSU basketball is a perennial, perennially, I can't even say that word. I'm so fired. Perennial. Perennially underachieving basketball program. They've done nothing since the year 2000. The final fours are cute, but you know well, why those final okay, fours on, were so surprising? On. Because you, they played it, you, like they ass like in the regular the season. Four. They wait like I, I don't. Tom Izzo is a good coach, but it's getting to the point where this game is starting to pass him by because he coaches like it's the early 90s when you know this. I just don't get it. You let your guys play. You know, it, Michigan State basketball is not January, February, Izzo, April. It's January, February, underachieve April. That is their MO, and they have done nothing since the year 2000. I do the not final fours, Tom Izzo in March anymore. No, the, the magic is gone. It's it's yeah. gone. The, the aura that once surrounded that program, uh, the mystique, uh, you could argue it disappeared after the Middle Tennessee game, but it really 
it, it disappeared this year uh, because – and you brought up physicality and how this MSU team was physically gifted. I, I sent out a tweet after they lost where I said that this was a mentally weak team. and Some people jumped on me for it, but I, I stand by that because they were more talented than almost every team they played this year. Dude, they're, and, Miles and Bridges and Jared Jackson are top 10 picks. And while I'm I'm aware that in games like against Syracuse and I think even against Michigan they got out rebounded, I use the term bullied because mentally, I felt that they were were intimidated and or pushed over by the other team. You're right. Syracuse sucks. That offense is nothing. They let MS they they baited MSU and let MSU shoot. I mean, how many wide open threes? But that's the point of the zone. That's the point of the zone is to get you to shoot those out of rhythm three pointers. That is the exact point of it. Michigan State played right into their hand. And Chris, I absolutely agree with you in the sense that, well, you're mentally tough if you attack a zone. You're mentally weak if you settle for threes. And and even so, mentally weak, missing your last 14 shots, that in, in crunch time. With your season and the most talented team that they've ever had on the line, that is mental weakness. <laughs> oh man, you know who's not mentally weak? John Beeline in Michigan basketball. We haven't even talked about them yet, hardly. Yeah, let's you get know, them. Let, let's talk about teams that actually have a chance to win the national title and that aren't overrated and that, that didn't get popped by John Beeline and his Wolverines twice in the regular season. Woo! Okay, here we go. Uh, a win on uh, on Thursday night. Now, this, listen, it absolutely sucked that they were the last game on each day they played. Uh, it was hard to stay up. I got a story about the second game that's I'll share in a moment, but I just talked about how, you know, a bloodbath of an opening weekend. Michigan played, you know, as bad a basketball as we've seen them play in a while, and they still got two wins out of it, despite being punched in the mouth. And, and I've said this a hundred times now, Michigan is no longer a live by the three, die by the three team, because if they were, they'd have probably been out on, on Saturday. They could have been out on Thursday, but this is a team now that wins with defense and, and Saturday night, it took some magic. I mean, the Jordan pool shot was incredible. It's been covered a thousand times in every which way we know the kid is a baller now, but I mean, it's. I, I can sit here and confidently say, and I wrote about this, you know, I think that, listen, I think that this team is going to win the national championship. I'm not going to shy away from that. If I have to speak it into existence, so be it. With that being said, if they're, I don't think they can play two worse games than they did. And I don't think they will. They could certainly play better and, and lose a game somewhere along the line. But, you know, when I look at this matchup Thursday against Texas A&M, you know, they've got some big guys and that could be a problem, but you know, it's, I don't, I'm not scared of that team. Uh, I have, you know, you've got Florida state up at the top of the bracket against Nick Gonzaga. I got people tweet me saying they're afraid of a Gonzaga and afraid of Texas A&M. I mean, Texas A&M, that that's fine. They just, you know, beat the brakes off of North Carolina, who I thought was going to be kind of the, the toughest challenge if Michigan was going to make a run in the tournament. They're no longer here, so you, there's a little bit of pause there because that's a team that's you know has played some good basketball now too. Obviously, they have two wins, but to me, Gonzaga is a name. Florida State beat on a team that, like you said, Chris, you know uh, Xavier. They're always the name that people talk about, but 
rarely do they make that, you know, I can't remember certainly off the top of my head when they were in a final four in a national title game, but uh, Gonzaga, Gonzaga to me is a name. Texas A&M is, I'm not all that afraid of them. And, you know, when you look at the rest, rest of that bracket, Kentucky, certainly I, Michigan should beat that Kentucky team. I mean, they're going to get, John Calipari is going to get all the praise because they're probably going to the final four again, but that's not a great Kentucky team, but you know, it's, it is what it is. You got to win the games in front of you, but like circling back to what my original point was, I don't think Michigan can play two worse games than they did over the weekend. And I don't expect them to. And I I think, I think they'll go two and oh again this weekend. They cannot play any worse. It's, it's impossible offensively. I thought they played great defense, both matchups, especially against Montana, obviously, but I thought they did a really good job against Houston. Rob Gray just hit a ton of tough shots. Like I got to give him some credit. I mean, he hit a ton of tough shots, Michigan. I mean, John Teske's free throws, uh, down the stretch of that game within the final five minutes kind of won that game for Michigan or kept them close. And then the law of averages, obviously, with the two missed free throws uh, from Houston, the guy was a 54% free throw shooter on the year. He hit nine for nine up to that point or nine for 10 up to that point, something like that. I mean, the law of averages had to come into play. But, I mean, Michigan, they got their – they got their – how do you want to say it? I guess like a mulligan or they got their play to keep them alive in the survive and advance format, kind of similar to the Trey Burke shot against Kansas, kept them alive. And I agree with you, Anthony. I think they should uh, make a final four at least. That Kentucky team's playing pretty good right now. I think they should be Kentucky. I have a hard time seeing Michigan beat a team like Duke if Duke were to make it, but uh, anything's possible in this tournament. Uh, maybe it's just because in other sports I've been broken so many times that I'm 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 trying not to get too hyped about this. Like when I hear you say that you're confident they can win the national championship, <laughs> does, it, does that it, scare you? It, it no, it doesn't scare me that you said it. It scares me that there's that I kind of believe it <laughs> and I don't want I just I don't want to get I don't want to get that expectation too high and as, as silly as this sounds the, and this is going to sound silly I wanted North Carolina to beat Texas a and I wanted Xavier to win I I want I think Michigan works better as the underdog right now the world is picking them to be in the Final Four. Things are shaping up for them to go to, if not win, a national championship. This is a team that has worked so well all year as being the surprise. I mean, it, it, not just this year, but in, in years past. You know, winning the Big Ten in 2014 when people thought that they would be a bubble team. Uh, winning the, the the Big Ten tournament a year ago in, in 2013, being a four seed. I mean, the the uh, the num- there's numerous occasions in which they've worked better as the underdog, and that's why this uh, particular uh, point in time, these upcoming games do concern me. I think they're better than all three other teams in the bracket. Um, but they did just play two of their worst games uh, of the season. I mean, yes, they, they their season was over last Saturday. And the, 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 it was done. They, 
they were going to get bounced in the, in the second round. And uh, it was going to be a good season, but oh shucks, they got upset because they missed like 57 point blank shots in a row that could either put them in front or tied the game. Um, and, and they hit a miracle shot. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to get my hopes too high. Uh, it, it might not be much as far as a, an analysis standpoint, but I'm speaking both as a fan and as somebody who watches these games religiously. I absolutely think they should win. But another, but the other big factor is uh, Mo Wagner needs to get right. Um, I've heard multiple th- uh, things. I heard from somebody that he was sick. Um, I I kind of hope that's the case because uh, he was non-existent um, really in both of those games. Uh, if that happens again, they're they're done. Uh, so I I hope it was a a, uh, a a health issue that could be resolved fairly quickly, like an illness. Because uh, they they can't have that same Mo Wagner and expect to win uh, two games this weekend. Well, I mean Wagner, he he continues to get those quick early fouls, and then Beeline he does the auto sub thing, and it's like I don't think Wagner can get in a rhythm there. Yeah, I mean I think that's part of it, but you could tell just when he was in, he wasn't right. He he wasn't. Uh, he wasn't factoring into the game the way that he usually does. Um, well, and it's not just him fact, either. It was, I don't think Muhammad Ali of Durrockman had a great weekend. I was just about to say that. Outside yeah. Of, in fairness to him, he wasn't the only one. Sure. And yeah. Xavier Simpson, I mean, those guys, the good thing about those guys is, you know, that if they don't have their offense, they're going to still bring it on the other end of the court. Um, and they deserve credit for that. I mean, even, you know, we talked about Rob Gray hitting some big shots, like, I guess anything they did after him scoring 39 in that first game was, was going to be an improvement, but you know, I didn't think that he, he certainly didn't go off by any means. So um, they still did a good job there. And, and you guys talk about Wagner. I mean, you're playing a Texas A&M team now that has, has size up front. So he's even more important. And, you know, like I, you know, in a, I guess I'm of the, of the belief and I don't know how practical it is and it may be a cliche, but, I feel like water always finds its level at some point. And I feel like those guys will show up. And and the thing that intrigues me, I mean, you know, you talked about how you, you know, you're scared or, or skeptical. I won't say scared, but you know, you want to see it. Yeah. yeah uh, you talk about how, you know, Michigan, there is a bit of a concern there still, but they are, they should still come out of the West region. You look at the teams up in the South region. They're better than all four of those teams. So, I mean, it's not practical. I can't just pencil them. I mean, I'm penciling them into the national title game because that's what my brain is telling me to do. But, you know, we saw 16 beat a one. So we have no idea what we're in for still. It's going to be fun though. I know that I'm looking forward to it. I, I really like that Michigan's playing in that 7:30 time slot instead of the nine 50 or whatever it was over the weekend. Yeah, well, I'm cool with that because I'll be honest with you. I, and we'll set, use this as a segue into our, our next little discussion here, but I did not see the buzzer beater. I did not see it live. I fell asleep on my couch. You know I'm why? I'm so sorry. I'm so it, sorry. It was so late though. Like, you know, and, and, and full yeah. closure, you know, had, had a few beverages, uh, was tired, got on the couch, a little, little warm, a little cozy on the couch. But you know why I fell asleep during that game? Because it was such a boring game. It like I could not, 
I don't know what it was. It was, there was a, I got too comfortable thing, but you know, I saw like immediately when it happened, like I woke up, but I did not see it happen live. And I feel horrible about that. Um, well, I mean, I, we, we saw it live. Uh, uh, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, Luke, but I'm pretty sure. Oh, I um, saw it live. It was like what um, nine o'clock out in LA, so yeah. I, I was up. like, I was just gonna say, oh, man, I had, I had no problem staying up. I actually had a problem Thursday night more so because I wasn't used to the time zone at all. But yeah, no, Saturday night, and the thing was like we started drinking at like three out there. You know, St. Patty's Day, we were going to the bar or whatever. I was watching the Loyola Tennessee game, then we went and got some food, and we're we're hanging at a bar out in Huntington Beach, uh, watching this game. And in our table, you know, is watching it and I'm getting nervous. Like I'm me and my buddies are the only Michigan people there that are, you know, watching this game, but I didn't have any Michigan gear on, obviously, you know, I had the, I had my, some St. Patty's day gear on. So when Jordan Poole hit that shot, I took off, like, uh, I was shot out of a cannon. Like I ran through a bunch of people into this other room. I was jumping up and down, came back and some dude looked at me. He's like, dude, how much money did you have on Michigan? Because you just <laughs> took off running around the bar yelling. And I was like, man, I'm just a Michigan fan, and I'm so excited right now. Pretty much the same reaction I had when Trey hit the shot. I was at B-Dubs in Mount Pleasant when that happened. But I just took off running around the bar, and everyone was looking at me like I was a crazy person. Well, let me say this, too. <laughs> the thing is, like like I said, I kind of, like, I wasn't fully asleep. I was kind of in that, like, half-asleep, like, dreamlike state. The second that I kind of like snapped out of it, I like had realized what happened and saw that it was Jordan Poole. You know what? Like, <laughs> I wasn't surprised at all. Like, I just was like, oh, like, of course, that's how it ended. And of of course, he took that shot. Like, that's that's the guy that was going to hit the shot in that moment, because that's kind of just the way no knowing. Well, my, knowing my what we do about him now, his personality, like, of course, he did. Like, least surprising thing ever. It was him. Yeah, well, my dumbass didn't realize it was Jordan Poole and thought uh, Livers hit the shot for some reason. So I spent about 30 seconds screaming oh, Isaiah Livers. You know, name. All these freshmen have the same haircut, too. So yeah, I know. Was that, uh, but, uh, there was uh, was Eli Brooks on the court when that play happened. I think he was. Um, is he number? It was number 23. I don't have the roster in front of me. It might it might have been. It but was one of those I, things where like it looked like, you know, the meme where it's like Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's what all these freshmen remind me of when they're on the court at the same time. It's hilarious. But uh, yeah, but but I, I soon realized, obviously, it was it was pool. And, and you know, it, I, it was very strange. It was a very strange moment because um, for a, a season that was three point six seconds away from ending um, in, in really what would have been devastating fashion, I I, I was extremely calm almost all game. I mean, way calmer than I usually am in the tournament. And uh, I, the main reason was that with, with 3.6 seconds left, uh, my, my main feeling wasn't anger. It was just simply disappointment because I didn't want, uh, I just didn't, don't want this season uh, to end and I just I feel this the run that this team has been on since they lost that Northwestern game uh, has been so fun a- and it was just brutal knowing that uh, 
they they were no longer going to be in it and um, then obviously you know that the miracle happens uh, but but with that miracle now kind of comes almost a little bit of of expectation and added pressure in a sense because it, it, personally at least I feel like you can't waste this now like you have to at least make the final four you can't lose the next game after so that disappointing. like that that, that would is be so disappointing better that that are that's the basketball god's way of saying like dude it's he, wake up it's your wake up here you go yeah. like okay uh, yeah. uh north carolina's out uh here you go um xavier uh, and it's so weird. It's so weird how the NCAA tournament works like that. And the, the thing I can compare it to is uh, 2010 uh, Michigan State when Corey Lucius hit that shot. And you 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 kind of knew right then because like, Kansas had gotten bounced uh, and and they were the number one overall seed that year. You kind of knew that uh, once they got past Maryland, they were going to the Final Four. Um, I want to be able to, in hindsight – look back at that shot and say, yeah, we should have known that uh, they were going to go to the Final Four. Um, but, you know, they um, there's no fate but what you make, you know, as, as the great Kyle Reese would say. So uh, we're going to have to wait and see it play out. But um, whether it ends this weekend or not, it's been, uh, it's been a really fun, uh, remarkable year with that being the – the signature moments, um, not just of this season, but uh, I mean, one of the signature moments of the beeline era, easily in the top two yeah. or three. Yeah. yeah, probably easily in the top three. So. Well, that's the thing too. Well, that's I think that I think this time of year you are either going to end up on you're going to end up in that one shining moment montage at the end of the season, and you're, it's either going to be for something mm-hmm. good or for something really shitty that happened to you. And thankfully for Michigan, like they're going to be on the right side of it. And I kind of want to, Luke brought it up, you know, kind of comparing it to the Trey Burke shot. I, I want to take this conversation into this this direction now. And uh, shout out, Chris, this is actually your idea. You know, in terms of where this, the Jordan Poole moment, um, you know, ranks in terms of feeling the highest of the highs compared to the lowest of the lows. So uh, I guess each one of us, I just kind of want to hear what what's the highest moment you've ever felt as a sports fan? And I guess the lowest, and I'll preface mine with this, uh, spoiler alert, mine isn't Jordan Poole's because as far as I was concerned, I never felt the drama of feeling like the season was going to end because I wasn't awake during then. So I always expect mm-hmm. Michigan to win that game. So it's it kind of sucks that that moment is sort of dampened for me in that regard. But uh, I'm curious as to how you guys feel. And, uh, you know, I, I guess we'll start with Luke on that. Well, for me, it actually was uh, – it wasn't the Jordan Poole shot. It was more of the Trey Burke shot uh, because, you know, you're kind of just watching that game and Kansas just had a stranglehold on it the whole game. You didn't ever feel like Michigan was going to win that game or really had a true chance to win that game. A lot of stuff had to go wrong for Kansas down the stretch of that game. Uh, they missed a front end of a one-and-one, one, which got, you know, Michigan the ball. Michigan would have been down five had he made both free throws, and they would have had no chance to win that game. And it just seemed like Kansas was the better team all game. And then all of a sudden, you look up, Trey comes down the court, pulls up, you're like, what are you doing? And then he hits it. And for me, that was, you know, the epitome of being a fan and watching your favorite team in the tournament. And uh, there's there's a lot of great things that happen out there for me, you know, as a sports fan, but that one definitely has to top the list. 
Uh, I can't argue with it, but for me, because that 2013 team, you know, I, I, I might have brought this up before on the podcast, but uh, when, when that team lost, they lost in really spectacular fashion. And so the ent- that entire game, even after Burke hit that shot, uh, I was still thinking there's – I didn't really celebrate it very much because I'm like, there's four seconds left. They could still lose. Um, obviously, going back on it now, it's it's one of the coolest shots ever. But um, I would say the highest of highs for me just as a sports fan wasn't that game um, – but it was it was probably beating Florida. Uh, it was making it to the Final Four um, because that, especially you know you, you you love winning those close games, but the fact that they just pummeled Florida and the fact that uh, it it was a twenty something point game, you know, and they brought in they were able to bring in Bartlestein and and, and Vogrich and Vogrich was able to hit a three and and. Uh, you know, ended up being a, a 20 point game and Stauskas had that monster game. And it, it felt like, you know how at the end of, uh, at the end of sitcoms, they bring back like all the old characters. Yeah. It, it, it kind of felt like that where they were clearing the bench, all the old friends that you hadn't seen uh, in, in, in a couple months or seemingly in a couple of years were coming back out and it felt like the ultimate celebration of the Beeline era up to that point. Um, so that that one stands out as far as my highest of highs. All right, that's a good one. Um, this one isn't probably my fondest moment as a sports fan, but it's one that I think emotionally the one I was probably most invested in, and it is that Trey Burke shot. And it's not just because of – I mean, Luke already talked about it with the, the ups and downs of the, or mostly downs of that game. You know, Kansas had dominated. I believe that was the Jeff Withy team, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, but all that aside, you know, that was, I got really in, like, I've always been like huge Michigan basketball guy. I used to, you know, back when, you know, Courtney Sims and, and Deshaun Sims were on the team. I was, I was faking sick at school so I could come home and watch the big 10 tournament. Cause that was the only time I was ever going to see them on uh, was the one o'clock game against, you know, the Ohio States of the world or whatever. But so I've been all in on, on these guys since before John Beeline and uh, you know, a couple days before, you know, that was a special year. I mean, that was the year that they were number one um, at certain mm-hmm. spots of the year. They were undefeated for a good portion of the season that was a special year and a couple of years or a couple of days before that Kansas game um, we had. So if I remember correctly, that was on a Friday, that game on Thursday, yeah. I had lost my grandfather and like anyone who's ever lost anyone like knows how, how awful that feels, but I just needed something. I needed something, anything, you know, I was, that was really the first year I was covering Michigan. I guess really covering anything. I was working for, um, a Michigan blog that a friend of mine had started up. I mean, the, you know, you guys know how it is. A million of these blogs start up and they kind of fade away. And, and luckily I was able to kind of stay afloat and, and kind of parlay into this and, and what's going on. But that, you know, I was do, working for one of them at the time. I kind of stepped away for a few days cause we had the, you know, we had the family thing. And like I said, I just needed something, anything. And, you know, I didn't give a shit about that game when, when it was going on, but 
when Burke did hit that shot and they ended up winning that game, like that moment of levity, that moment of, you know, just, I mean, it was a great run. And obviously, you know, there, there were bigger things at play that, that followed after it with going to the national title game and things like that. But, you know, that, that brief moment of levity, not even, it's not the best feeling I've ever felt as, as a sports fan, but I think it's the most important one. Uh, so that one holds a special place in my heart. You know, if we're talking about straight up like jubilation, I think it's Maglio Ordonia sending the Tigers to the World Series. That one is certainly up there, that walk-off home run. And they, they were they swept the A's anyways. But, you know, I've always kind of been a baseball guy first and foremost. So that that was special. Um, and and the, the 2000, I have to say the most fulfilling one to me though, was the 2003 or 2004 Pistons, uh, the five game sweep over a Lakers team that, you know, it was kind of the end of the era there. That was the, you know, that, that broke up Shaq and Kobe. They kind of ended that. And it was really to me, the last time an NBA team that has kind of, you know, one of the last times an NBA team has kind of won without having a star player. So I know that was more than you guys kind of put out there, but that's, those are the ones that. No, no. I mean, I I considered going with that one. That's one I I was you know going into third grade when that happened, but I still remember every game very well. Um, you know, obviously, it, my relationship with the Pistons is has uh, kind of uh, faltered over the last uh, year or so. But um, I still love that team, and I still have very fond memories of that team. And uh, both those stories, I, uh, actually, all three of them. Um, I thought we're, uh, we're really good. So, yeah. Well, we can't talk about the highs until we co- talk about, or without talking about the kicks to the dick as well. So I have to, I have to ask you guys in terms of the lowest moment you've ever felt. Um, we'll go back to Luke for this one. Uh, what's the lowest moment you've ever felt as a sports fan? Man. I think we, I think we might share at least, at least two of us are going to have the same one on this. I, I think, think so. Uh, you guys probably know where I'm going. A uh, close second. First of all, I do want to mention that I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. Uh, I, you know, obviously grown up in the UP and there's a ton of Packer fans in the UP. In case you guys didn't know that it's mostly Packers, not a ton of Lions fans oh, yeah. up here. Oh, for sure. Um, So the, the playoff game, the Des Bryant catch one, that was very, very close because I went from so high to so low in a matter of a replay. And, uh, you know, Dallas ends up losing that game. That was really close, but that got quickly overtaken, uh, not this past November, but the November before with the Ohio State-Michigan game because uh, we had, you know, yeah, yeah, the football game uh, to where it was like I, I had talked myself into Michigan winning that game when they were up, what, 10 in the fourth quarter. Uh, I had been drinking all day you know so I was I went from really really high at a crowded bar actually sitting next to some Ohio State people and then thinking that uh well first the play before the third down uh when Michigan uh I'm blanking on the name of the runner they had him for a huge loss on third down and he ended up getting away got within a yard and then obviously the JT you know um thought he was short wasn't short Ohio State scores on the next play that went from really high to a real real I had a really bad day that day uh mixed with the the night drinking the night before and then the day drinking that day just uh uh alcohol is a depressant folks remember that so I had a a pretty bad day uh on that Saturday 
Um, a tw- 2015 Michigan State game in in football. Um, the lowest I've been, not just, I mean, one of the top five worst moments of my entire life. Um, it it was one of those things because I think I would say the I'm trying to think and, and a lot of people um, get this uh, have a misconception of me uh, that I, I just will walk around my house or my apartment after a game and just stew about it for hours or days on end. Um, I, very rarely does a loss stick with me for more than a couple hours. Um, I couldn't watch football the next day after Blake O'Neill dropped that punt. I, I, for, there was a brief period of time the next week in which I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to be, watch any football for the rest of the year. I was sick. I was actually, I, I was actually sick. And I, 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 I couldn't. I had trouble watching baseball because I would see the the in the bottom ticker they would have results of college football games. I would see the score, and I would just be I, I really legitimately, you know. A lot of times people use this term, you know, in a figurative sense. It it actually felt like a punch in the gut, like the wind was knocked out of me. Just Chris, thinking about I would- it. I would have been that way, and it's interesting that you say that. Like, it's funny how watching it differently um, can affect how you feel because I've been on that side where you were, but I was actually an intern with Fox 17 in Grand Rapids that game, and I was working that game on the sideline shooting highlights, and so I couldn't really get too excited during the game, and I I was filming that play, and all of a sudden I had seen – you know, Michigan State running the other way. You know, I had the camera zoomed in on Blake O'Neill. Uh, he drops it. All of a sudden, I've got to zoom in on Michigan State running the other way. And in a working capacity, like, it sucked. But I, I couldn't – I didn't have enough emotional attachment. And I think – I'm so thankful that that was the case because that game would have killed me. And, and I still think and, – and I don't want to go off on a tangent, but, but I'll just say – um, I think the Harbaugh era up to this point, as well as the the future of uh, the Harbaugh era, uh, has been forever changed by that play. I think that you know you can say, "Oh, it's only one play," but I, I'm going I'm going kind of with a butterfly effect principle here. I, I think if they win that game, um, there's some other dominoes that fall uh, later in the season that might not have fallen for other teams. You're a big string theory um, guy. I take it. Well, I, that, and, and I'm a believer in momentum. Uh, I, I think if, if Michigan wins that game and Michigan state, then there's no way in hell Michigan state goes into Columbus and beats Ohio state. Um, and I also think, you know, as well, they, they weren't the more talented team. Um, that Michigan's chances of beating Ohio State in the big house would have been uh, elevated. I, I don't think they would have, but um, – and then that even leads into the next season. Really, I, I think that, that that's had a ripple effect um, over this program. Um, and it, it is 
it is to me it's a million times worse than app state uh and i was at the app state game but but and, and it's not the quality of opponent obviously that michigan state team was it was a damn good team but um in that game in the app state game michigan was ill prepared um and they were outplayed and th- they almost escaped with a game that um they they should have lost anyway um and that's what was frustrating is the fact of why is it that they got punched in the mouth by um by by a, a one double a team and that game the michigan state game uh it, it seemed like michigan like all of the things that the harbaugh hype was real it was all coming true uh, in his first year, they were going to knock off Michigan State. I mean, nobody could have expected that. The defense had the swagger to them. Uh, if they win that game, they're a contender to be in the playoff. And <laughs> still the worst. Still the worst. A very apt uh, sound effect to close out that uh, soliloquy. So That or, that or a gunshot. Yeah. Mm. Well, yeah, I don't know. But, uh, whoa, okay. Um Real quick on that Michigan State game, I was also working it. I was up in the press box. That was the first year I I was credentialed, so it was one of those deals where, and I was doing everything by myself too. I mean, now I have Trevor Trevor Woods is up there with me. Um, lost my train of thought. Uh, Dustin Johnston is down on the field taking pictures. So like, we have a crew out there now. But back back in the day, you know, two years ago, uh, it was just me. So. Like I'm a guy where like when I do gamers, like I like to have that stuff ready to send like when the clock hits zero or like as the clock's about to hit zero. My game story was done. It was written. The the coverage was like planned out for the rest of the night. When that play happened, I literally deleted everything I have. Uh, I think I've told this story before. uh, So people out there have heard it uh, too bad, but I deleted literally everything I had and I wrote one sentence. I wrote, you know how that game ended. It sucked. Everything sucks. We'll have more coverage after the presser. And I clicked publish. <laughs> that was, you know, I mean, that's, that's, the best, that's the best way to put it. it. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of a movie comparison and the only, only movie I can compare it to. And it's not even close as far as the feeling when, when said things concluded, but have you ever seen No Country for Old Men? Oh, yeah. I have not. I have, yeah. Okay. I, I know this is controversial. I think that's like – it. that movie has maybe the most anticlimactic ending ever. And it, it's – and the rest of it is 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 a masterpiece. Like it, everything in that movie is perfect. And they literally get to, I mean, the final 30 minutes is that, but basically the final shot. And it's like everything else you've watched up to that point is a lie. And not in a good way, not in like a classic (laughs) twist. Like, like oh man, I need to go back. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. In like a minor spoiler here, in a, what the fuck, why did, why is Tommy Lee Jones monologuing about dreaming type of, type of way? It, It was... It was the equivalent of that, except more personal and deeper and more agonizing. Is that your lowest low? Uh, by the way, Anthony, did I just monologue about it way uh, too much? And, uh, as a professional writer, 
yeah, maybe. Uh, professional writer. Those do not apply to me, but you know what I'm trying to say. Um, it is, uh, I'm still speechless. I mean, that was the, that was the presser where the steel in your spine quote from Harbaugh came out of. I remember that. But other than that, that was also the, where'd all the Wolverines go? Uh, video emerged from that with Mark D'Antonio. Um, yeah. As a writer and someone who like covers media, probably my lowest moment followed closely by that 38 to seven, like shellacking in the NFC title game this past year. But again, like, I don't think it's a big secret to say, like, I obviously enjoy the Vikings, but you know, that's my job. So obviously it's fun. It's a lot more fun to do when they win. So that one didn't really affect me personally, but I'll give you, I have three of them. And again, I won't, I won't ramble on here. I'll just kind of hit them and get out the one, the very first, there are three moments that have contributed to kind of me being like soulless as a sports fan, like having no soul, not capable of feeling, feeling joy or sorrow. The first one, 2008 Detroit lions go. Oh, it's 16. I've never been more demoralized in my life. I've never been more embarrassed in my life uh, for a team. And I've never just felt like, I've never just been so depressed. Like you knew it was going to happen because they played the Packers the last game of the year at Lambeau. They weren't going one in 15, but like that moment was just like, it was just so embarrassing and so unacceptable. And so uh, to this day, I see Matt Millen up in the press box when he does games for big 10 network. I, my fist is like the, the gif of Arthur where it's like the close up of his fist. <laughs> I feel that when I see him in his like leather cowboy boots with his, his, his cheap suit. Like I feel that. Um, so that certainly still affects me. The second one was just like maybe five or six months later. It was, and this is, this is me being spoiled, but obviously the Red Wings had won four cups in however many years uh, they get back to the Stanley cup finals the next year and lose mm-hmm. the Penguins in seven games on their home ice uh, after I think it was either I I've tried to black it out, but uh, I think maybe they were up two nothing in that they series. Were, they were up, I believe they were up three to one in that series too, um, or or something like that. It was something crazy, uh, but it was one of those things where you know Maxime Talbot scores two goals, which when the hell had he ever done that in his life? And then it was either Lidstrom or Erickson. I can't remember, uh, but close to the end of regulation one of them had just has a howitzer of a shot that goes off the crossbar like that would have tied the game I remember and that. that was like that was extremely sobering and the last one um was the 2013 ALCS against the Red Sox uh when yeah. that's my when Tory Hunter flips oh, over the the bullpen and that's the cop you know with his arms in the air like I'll tell you like that was I was at CMU for that uh, first year I was up there, we had people over. I, I don't, th- it was, it wasn't Halloween weekend. It may have been the weekend before or whatever, but we had people over the apartment watching the game that play happens. I don't scream. I don't yell. I literally just get up, walk out of my apartment and just walk down main street. And I think I went into a frat party. I don't remember it was, that was a rough night. Like that was, that was the final moment that I was kind of like, this is awesome. I'm so proud. Like it's, it's dead. Like all that teams do now, all that these teams that I root for can do now 
is pleasantly surprise me. Like I don't get, I, I don't get upset anymore. I don't, it's not worth it. It's nothing, nothing matters. Um, as, as Morty says in Rick and Morty, nothing matters. Everyone's going to die. Come watch TV. So that's how I kind of feel about uh, those moments. But yeah, that, that was the fuck. I'm getting depressed now. That was my favorite Tigers team. And that was the best Tigers team. And um, if they get that out, I, I have, I want, you know, like I said, I've been broken before, but I can say this with confidence if they get that out, they sweep the Red Sox, they beat the Cardinals in in the World Series, and um, who knows what happens uh, after that. But that was that was the year, and I think deep down, deep in in, in the heart of hearts of every Tiger fan, uh, even though they won the division in twenty fourteen, and you know they they had uh, they almost made the playoffs in twenty sixteen, I think I think people kind of knew that. Uh, that that was going to be their year. And if they, um, and that after, um, not to mention in game six, Victorino hits another salami to, to put the series away. But, uh, if after that year, it seemed like they were trying to, um, rebuild what they had already put together and Dombrowski started to panic and he made some bad moves and, um, we're, we're going to a dark this is, this is going to be a wild ride uh, for the listeners, man. We're just getting their hopes up, getting them all nostalgic and happy, and we are going to crush <laughs> them. Uh, well, that's all right. Yeah. Because I do have somewhat, I, I don't know, I guess depending on who you are, it's a happy item, but uh, we do have, uh, we have a date for the spring game and we'll end with that. The spring game will be played on April 14th at Michigan stadium in Ann Arbor. And it will be a night game on a Saturday night kickoff is scheduled uh for 7 p.m it will be broadcast on big 10 network uh are either of you guys planning on going i will not be able to make it down to ann arbor um i i wasn't planning on going no well, too bad uh, you know you're missing out i know um, I, I wish i really wish <laughs> i could go yeah it's spring games are you know it's not like the south where you're gonna pack the stadium and um like that's ludicrous. Like it, to me, if you're packing your stadium in, uh, in April for football, like you're, you're a crazy person. You're a literal crazy person. Like there'll be 20 or 30,000 people there, maybe 50, 60, depending on what the weather's like. But like, obviously like there's a lot of stuff to do in Michigan. Like I think the Yankees are in town this week or that weekend. So like people will be down at uh, the ballpark where they're still like kind of optimistic that the tigers won't suck this year. Like, the weather will, I think the weather will start breaking a little bit. So you could have people out on the water and things like that, but um, they're all right. I mean, the night game, there are people complaining about the start time, but you know what? Like they're giving you free football. Like if that's what, you, if you're a football guy and you just want a taste, something, anything, and they're giving you to you for free, like they could play it like on the moon or in, you know, at two o'clock in the morning. Like if it's free, just take it and, and say, thank you. Uh, a lot of people don't seem very happy about the start time being at 7 p.m. Um, and I, I get that. I mean, it's it's one of those deals where the weather is still kind of a variable that time of year. I mean, I, I say that it's time of year, cold. it's only a few weeks away. It's going to be cold. Um, when the sun goes down, yeah, it's going to be cold. Uh, you lose the sun, at least, you know, if it's like mid-40s outside, but the sun is out, like, that's not a bad day. But, you know, once that sun starts going away, uh, and I can test this, I went for a little walk before press and record. I get the, the heart rate going a little bit. Um, 
when that sun goes down, it gets chilly. So I, I get that as well. And I think that'll cut into the attendance. But at the same time, I don't really care because it doesn't mean a whole lot. No, no, man. No, it doesn't mean anything. Like, like I've this seen people say, it. oh, this is a, but, well, a Brandon-esque move. And, you know, Jim Harbaugh is just doing this for recruiting and rah, 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 rah. It's like. Dude, wasn't it at night Two like last ago, year? The first year of Harbaugh, it was at night. It was on a Friday night, which I would argue a Friday night is in a lot of ways more valuable to me than a Saturday night is. So, um, of all that, this is what. It, okay, try not to go on. Try not to go on another tangent, but like this is what what just blows my mind about this program and, and the fan base in general. Of all the things to complain about with this program, because there's a lot of them. The fucking spring game? <laughs> I hear you, dude. The spring game. I know. It makes no sense. It's free foot. Nobody's nobody's tying your ass to a clockwork orange chair and making you watch it. It's a it spring game. It doesn't matter. Game. Like, I just think of, like, think of any guy that's, and, and mind you, like, you want to see how certain position groups look and things that they're going to show. And obviously, like, I, I downplayed it because of when it's going to happen. But this will be the first time that Shea Patterson is on the field in front of people in a Michigan uniform. That's what I'm most excited for, for sure. Yeah, whether he's eligible to play or not. Like, I think he will be still. I know we're still waiting on news for that, but, like, what people don't understand, and there's a lot of misinformation on that right now, like, he can practice, like, he can participate in spring football and be in the spring game. It's just an eligibility question. Um, So he'll be out there regardless. So, I mean, don't don't downplay that, but, like, I, I tweeted this out from the main account. Uh, earlier on Tuesday, I said, cons, the weather, pros. You get to go straight to the bar when it's done. Like, and, and you guys that aren't going, you may just watch it from the bar. Like, to me, that's a Saturday night enhancer. When you got to break out, listen, college football on a Saturday in the fall is one thing, but like, when you're not in season and you kind of are breaking things up in earlier in the day, like, I'd rather make a night out of it, honestly, because going in Ann Arbor is pretty damn cool. So if I can... You know, and and we'll be there working it, but you know there may be some sort of of hangout or some sort of get together. Um, I'm gonna go out and enjoy myself after that. So uh, it is what it is. I mean, get some pictures at the games, man. Hey, man, you never know. Um, always always up for a good time down there. And the thing is, thing of it too is, the last couple of years, Harbaugh has blown off media availability after the game, so he doesn't even talk after the game. You talk to a few players. I mean. I'm sure one of the players they'd make available is Shea Patterson, but like after Shea talks, like I'll be honest with you, uh, spoiler alert. I don't really give a shit about much else because I know the people that read our stuff and come to the website don't really give a shit about a whole lot else other than what we saw takeaways, things like that. So I'm pretty confident in saying, I know what the people want. And obviously if you're listening, like tell us what you want, uh, we'll, we'll do what we can to deliver. Cause everyone's going to be doing the same whole you know, takeaways from the spring game. How do the quarterbacks look? This is the overview of the offensive line. Like, and I guess this is a little advertisement now for our coverage that'll be coming, but like, tell us what you want out of it. Cause like, we're going to make this what people want to read and it, it's going to be different. It's not just going to be the stock cookie cutter, cut and dry stuff. So please, if you're listening to the show, tweet to Brewcast, tweet to Mason Brew, like tell us what you want out of it. Um, and not just for that, like our coverage in general, like the floor is open. I, I keep saying this, like, it's not me being like, the rock star that goes every night says, Oh, Detroit, you're the best town ever. Cleveland, you're the best town ever. Like I'm begging you, tell me what you want and we're going to (laughs) give it to you. So, um, 
that's me on my little soapbox there. I, I have no, I have no issues with it. I love the, uh, um, I love the news that the RPL the, is going to be coming to the offense. So I do like that. Yeah. How about that? Oh, how many, how many people do you think? <laughs> I tweeted this out too. Do you think people? I can't wait to see people reference the RPO, not even knowing what the like they're even talking about. I can't believe how I many can't people wait for referenced that. RPOs like in the NFL season this year. That was like the hot button, you know, term. Everyone was using it, and it's been around for so long that it's it kind of blows my mind. But I am. It is a welcomed addition to the offense, you know, rather than line a tail back up in the backfield, got seven guys on the line of scrimmage and, and give them the football. Yeah, this, this caveman football, like, I'm sorry. I know people love the Michigan of old and the Bo Beckler style of old because, you know, it gives them the member berries and all that stuff. But, like, it's time to move forward. Like, it is time. Like, you look at you look at where the NFL is going. You look at – well, the NFL has had to adjust because of what they're getting from college. But you look at, you know, the, the Baker Mayfields of the world, the uh, – um, Lamar Jackson's the world. Obviously, like Michigan, the guys that they're bringing in to play quarterback are actually pretty, you know, they're they're not strict. They're not really dual threat guys, but they are mobile. So, like, the threat of a run is there. So, if you can integrate that, if you can integrate some of these, you know, um, one of my favorite offensive concepts that I saw in the NFL this last year, it's really it's simple. It was the bread and butter play of the Vikings was, you know, the mesh routes in the middle of the field. You got the two guys running basically setting a natural pick for each mm-hmm. other. And, you know, you get works and Madden every I single love time. it. And it works so well, like Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen, like with the Vikings, like it's, it was like Picasso stuff or not Picasso. Picasso was the guy that was all over the place. It was like, um, insert famous painter here. Like it was, it was beautiful stuff. And, you know, any, anytime you can just throw some different stuff in there. Like this is not 1970 with the, you know, the T-bone and the, the option and things like, give me, give me what I just, just don't be a caveman. That's all I ask. And don't I think be that, Tom Izzo, man, don't be Tom Izzo. Don't let the game pass. You know what? That comment is the perfect way to bring this show full circle. Honestly. So, I agree. Well, I think we should end it there then. I don't have any issue with the spring game. Uh, but again, another, uh, Hey, if there's something to be, to complain about, people will find a way. Uh, I don't really care. Uh, just give me, Give me a glimpse of spring football. Give me, you know, just just a little taste, a little tasty poo um, until baseball ramps up. And then I'll be all in on that until the Tigers are out of the pennant race. So, uh, well, that's going to do it for us in, in May. May. Exactly. Um, well, that's going to do it for us. Uh, you know, you, Chris, give out your Twitter. Luke, give out your Twitter. Uh, pimp whatever you want to pimp. Uh, before I give mine out, I'll say you can follow this show on Twitter at at Brewcast Show. Uh, it's Brewcast on Twitter, at Brewcast Show. You can download and subscribe to our podcast, leave a review at Maze and Brew Podcast. Uh, those are also up on the site. Uh, you can get them on SoundCloud as well. Mazeandbrew.com, just a plethora of, of content and, and stuff for you. Again, tell us what you want, and we will deliver it. I promise you we will. Uh, guys, Pip out your social real quick. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Giardi, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. Make sure you go follow. I love to engage on Twitter, so uh, make sure you shoot your boy a follow. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. That's at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2-O-1-4. 
one for I have a YouTube page as well, the Castellani Losers Club. I believe just go to uh, well, actually, the link to that is in my bio on Twitter, so uh, I won't say that so I don't screw it up. Uh, you can find me there. Give me a follow, and uh, hope to hear from you soon. All right, great. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Anthony T. Broom. Uh, also, check out my stuff uh, with the Minnesota Vikings on 24-7 Sports at 24-7 Sports. Going to be jumping into NFL draft stuff, too. So, you know, if you're a draft junkie like me, uh, obviously the stuff I do out of a Viking spin to it. But, uh, you know, let's talk draft. Let's talk shop. And, you know, that's the kind of football I'm excited for this time of the year. I love the draft. So uh, for Chris, for Luke, for all the guys at Maze and Brew, this has been Brewcast. We'll talk to you again next time. Yeah.